On today's show, we're talking with the co-founders of Our Future HQ, a media company started by two kids that has turned into the number one source of business news for Gen Z, generating over a billion views. Our Future HQ now has more reach than the biggest news outlets and was recently acquired by Morning Brew. And for all of our audio listeners, please make sure to download this episode and leave us a review. And also, if you're on YouTube, please make sure to subscribe, leave a like, leave a comment, and have your notification bells turned on. Let's get into the episode. How's it going, guys? What's up? What's going on, man? Good to see you. Dude, good to yeah, see you guys. good to see you guys. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Like, what, what are your guys' names? Each, each of you, what are your names, ages? All right, my name's Michael. I'm 22, co-founder of Our Future. I think Simi's got a similar story. <laughs> Super similar. Uh, my name's Simran Sandu. Call me Simmy. Way easier. Um, 24 years old and, yeah, co-founder of Our Future. Great. So. Awesome, you guys. We've been looking forward to this episode for a while. Before we hopped into this, we were talking with Michael, and he found us very, very early on to the Juvie story and really supported us from the beginning. So before we even hop into telling the story of Our Future, Michael, I'd love to hear the first impression when you saw Juvie and why did you believe in us from the beginning? I just think there was a confidence. I remember you talking about, like, I'm so young. I'm so early. Like, there's nothing that can stop us. And I thought that energy was infectious. That's awesome. Yeah, we I love think that. I think you were probably in our first 5K. I think he was probably you guys were probably the first account over 100,000 followers to follow us. And you know, like in the beginning, you're checking every account. You're like, oh my gosh, 100,000 followers, yeah. a verified account. But we we know a little bit about you guys. But take us back to square one. You're a college student with no job lined up. Where's this idea sprout from? Yeah, well, the idea is a little similar to you guys. I launched a podcast when COVID hit because a mentor told me never to let a good crisis go to waste. Mm. And I loved business and I loved talking about business and I loved talking to people who are more successful and older than me. And I loved a good conversation. So fired up the microphone, um, got the Yeti ordered to the crib. Um, literally, I think a month and a half into COVID, the first episode dropped with my friend's mom. Mm. And then the interview train went on from there. But in terms of the motivation, I wanted to build a better source of business content for Gen Z. Yeah. People like, uh, people like us, people who are ambitious. And I didn't feel like that was available on the media market. And I figured since I had some skills in journalism, I was a good public speaker, I was a good conversationalist. I could be the voice to bring business to Gen Z. And uh, it's been quite the journey since. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, we love to hear that. Um, and so from to, from going from podcast um, to now, I've also seen on your social media, you're uploading news clips um, constantly. When did you start doing more stuff with like um, just trying to become a news outlet for the youth? Yeah, I think the biggest problem with podcasting was the discoverability. And TikTok was literally built on discoverability. So for a young kid trying to break out, build a media brand in the business space, TikTok made so much sense. Yeah. I first started doing what you guys did and distributed clips of the podcast and some of them went viral. Like I remember I had Mia Khalifa, like one of my TikToks and it was like the CMO of Chipotle, like wow. a clip about the CMO of Chipotle. Cause I interviewed that guy, Chris Brandt, which was a great conversation. But, uh, I realized why should I repurpose content for TikTok when I could just create content natively for these platforms yeah. and optimize for everything like retention, yeah. hook, story, music, all of those things. So I abandoned the podcast. Um, it was a tough choice. But it made perfect sense uh, to start building something that could blow up quick. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about it. I mean, we understand the discoverability. It's hard when you're starting a podcast. I think that's definitely a big misconception people have is you don't just post a podcast and then people just find it. It's one yeah. of those things like Spotify is not just pumping out small podcasts. And I remember in the beginning, that was something that we had to learn the hard way of like, okay, so we need to outsource from platforms like YouTube and 
TikTok and Instagram. And, and slowly, mm-hmm. I think once you get a little bit of fire under what you're building, then the platforms add you to charts and reviews and all that things, all that stuff comes in. Since we are a podcast, and we just crossed 100 episodes. I'd love to hear what was one of the biggest struggles in your first 150 episodes as a podcast host. Simi, so Simi also had a podcast. What would you say your biggest challenges were? I think it's just the consistency, right? Because it's such a slow grind. It's one of those mediums. Again, it's not like TikTok, right, where you're just automatically exposed to millions of people, assuming the content is good. Um, It's one of those things that you just have to be super, super patient and recognize that, hey, every five listeners, 10 listeners, 15 listeners, 20 listeners that come in, um, while it may not seem like a lot, it will build up over time. And kind of the silver lining there is that the podcast audience is one of the most loyal audiences that you can possibly have. I mean, if you can really connect with people in a podcast, they are there for the for the 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 long term, right? And they're down to ride. So yeah. um a challenge but also a positive point too. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd say from my end the big the I'd say from my end the biggest challenge was generating attention. Yeah. And it can be hard when you only have a few hundred listeners per episode, uh, but then getting those viral hits, like getting 100K people to view a clip of my podcast was so energizing and so motivating. And I got kind of addicted to the distribution of TikTok, which is why I went to the dark side of short form video and left long form. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we totally agree with that, Simi, where it's the, um, the podcast listeners are by far our most like tight knit and consistent yep. community like we can range from a video on tiktok getting like i don't know 10k views but then one a couple of days later getting 5 million views but then on platforms we're getting consistently like 15k downloads every single episode or every single month even so it's like yeah it's it's very tight knit and i think it was good for us to realize that as well as you guys realizing that as well and i think us i mean this is our It'll, first time yeah. sorry i cut you off there go ahead No, I was just going to say, it'll be so worth it for you guys. You guys have stuck with it 100 episodes. I can't wait to see you guys at episode 200, right? And you guys are reflecting back and you'll be like, damn, what a grind. But it was so worth it. Yeah. I'm glad I stuck through. Yeah. And honestly, I'll be completely transparent. If I think if I were to jump into just short form at first, I don't think I could have gotten myself to commit to something like a podcast. But I think we were fortunate to just land in the pool where podcasting is the first thing we ever started when it came to creating content. And so it's kind of all we know in a sense like we we know that okay we're gonna plan for three hours to record for 30 minutes and who knows who's gonna listen compared to throwing ourselves into a pool where like it's just a short form video and i think that kind of constructed the mindset of where like this is a long-term run like we weren't gonna put and i think the other thing that we've realized is like it doesn't really matter how big the guest is but as a host our responsibility is to tell a good story and that outweighs the clout that comes with the guest and and that's something I think that has shocked us. Um, so I know, Michael, you started originally with the, with the short form stuff. Simi, when did you come into the picture and how did this partnership brew? Yeah, so I had actually met Michael on LinkedIn a few years ago um, when we were both doing our own podcast and the University of Michigan released an article about him, this hotshot rising star in the podcast world, um, this kid that's interviewing C-suite executives. And so I reached out to Michael over LinkedIn and said, hey, you know, love to chat. Like, seems like we're both kind of doing cool shit and um, ended up creating a friendship out of that. And then two years down the road, we were like, we might as well just team up and go do this thing together. Um, At that point, Michael had 
figured out the format, right? Which was using B-roll animations and getting people to actually watch this content on TikTok. Yeah. But it wasn't quite a business at that point, right? Like he was getting the views, but it wasn't a company. And so funny enough, when I had joined on, we had $300 in the company bank account. Um, I had to make an emergency loan just to pay the pitch deck guy um, to, to go make the deck that we could go use to go raise, raise some money off of. And it's funny to look back at that now. Um, but that's kind of how we met and where kind of our story started. Eventually, we started to figure out, hey, you know, we can go build a huge advertising business and we can go do all this agency stuff and really put ourselves on the map. Um, but that's kind of where the, the journey started. That's really yeah, awesome. Yeah, we love that. Um, and I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the news outlet aspect. Um, where do you guys source your information? And how about, like, roundabout, if you could estimate, how long do you spend every week or even every day um, sourcing information for your show? Yeah, I mean, it's not about the story. It's about who tells it the best. Mm. And in the business category, a lot of this content historically was really dry and boring, right? Like what college kid or high school kid really wants to read the Wall Street Journal? And it's not even accessible because of all the jargon. It's not even fun. And these days, you have to entertain people to give them the opportunity to be educated, mm, yeah. right? So my, my spin on it was to come in with the entertainment content and mix that with business. And we spend a ton of time thinking about what topics we want to cover. Our future never breaks stories as a news outlet or as a media brand. But what we do is find the stories that people are talking about or stories that are phenomenal from history. And we put our spin on them to make them interesting and engaging for young viewers. And not even just young viewers. I mean, we got, you know, 60, 70-year-old people watching this yeah. content. We just got yeah. started on Facebook Reels, right? Like, we've got... 13 year olds watching this we got 25 year olds we got we got a whole broad kind of audience here yeah definitely and that actually kind of answers one of my other questions that i had written down um that said do you feel like um do you feel like you guys make the news more accessible to younger people by putting it on social media and making it more than just telling a story in front of a screen um, which you guys just answered and said that you pretty much do. Um, but do you feel like that's really benefiting the youth by making the news more accessible? Yeah, I think so. I think our futures brought stories of entrepreneurship and business excellence to countries around the world, including our own. And I think that's an awesome thing. I mean, we have viewers in every country, right, that have access to short form video. So the fact that I can make a business video and have it be seen by millions of people around the world. I think that's so powerful. Yeah. Like I could be a dance star on TikTok and have the same thing happen, but there's just something so impactful about sharing stories that might, you know, uh, get at someone's action potential to get off their ass and start something. Yeah. For sure. And I would agree. And I think there's what we're seeing a fine line when it comes to content creation now is the difference between virality and effectiveness. And like you were saying, you know, a, a business video that actually educates the consumer is going to have a lot more of effect than a dance video and a little bit of nod to you guys um a, a lot of the conversations i have with my dad are around business and entrepreneurs and majority of the stuff i'm bringing up is from you guys and i think it's partly because it's so easy to consume to the point where i go on and i know i'm about to learn something new from you guys i don't have to sign into my sign into my google account i don't have yeah. to search through articles it's almost like and I think I've been following you guys probably for a little bit over a year now. It's like I, I trust when I come on your page that I'm going to learn something new and I'm not going to get bored. And so I think for all of our audience, I think, it, it, one, it's a good way to educate yourself, but also to have educated conversations with people around you. Because when I can bring to the table and reiterate a story that you guys have communicated to me, I think that's super powerful. And it's opened up a lot of doors 
because th- I'm sure you guys know this, that having educated conversations is how you build a network of people that are really going to help you guys build, yes. right? Yeah. That's such an, such an excellent point, right? Like, in many ways, we're arming people with the knowledge to have educated conversations to i think a lot about media is like how you portray yourself to others like you're the most educated person on the news that get, that buys you social capital in a, in a yeah. conference room or in a, an interview with an employer it's like oh did you see what's going on in this industry or that industry it really just creates a, a more informed set of global citizens and we certainly don't touch on politics and that's a whole nother can of worms but we're really excited about making people more proficient in in business because um, business can change the world. 100%. Yeah, and I, I think that now, especially in a time where everybody has a need to feel educated and a need to feel intelligent, um, but with so much misinformation and misdirection all over the internet, it's really hard to find that intelligence that you need in a, yeah. in, like in a smart conversation. And I think that's what you guys are doing really well is spreading actual um, correct information to people who want to be intelligent 100 percent, simi i have a question for you when you first come on board with michael what are some of the roadblocks that you guys are running into that have formed what you've created today some of the roadblocks i'll tell you the biggest one um was the fact that we didn't own our distribution right like we were killing it on tiktok we were killing it on youtube um and you know the other short form channels but we didn't really have a good understanding of who our audience was, right? Like we knew they're the general demographic, but we didn't know, like we didn't have an email list, an SMS list that we can go back to and actually pinpoint these people, right? And then you take into account that views are variable, right? Like they are a vanity metric in in essence, right? And you can't really control, even if the content is really good, just how many people will see it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was kind of what, why this acquisition with Morning Brew even made so much more sense was because they had 4 million e- email subscribers that we could, you know, funnel our traffic into, right? Because as we all know, like shorts, short form video is a great way to funnel traffic. It's great for exposure, discoverability, super hard to build audience off of. So that was just one challenge I think we recognized right off the bat and then carried through until the acquisition. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think we see that we look at all of our clips as kind of like throwing out the bait and the goal is to reel them into a full episode. And I'm sure you guys know the conversion rate isn't necessarily insane when it comes to short form, but it's a place to start. And if you don't do that, are you really setting up yourself for success? Right? Yeah, literally. 100%. I think you guys got it right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Simi, we, um, we obviously, we mentioned this in the intro of this episode, but we haven't talked about it yet. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about your acquisition by, um, Morning Brew. Let's do it. Uh, is there anything specific that like comes to mind? I mean, I can kind of walk you through yeah. how that even came about. Um, I think I, I want to know. There. So yeah, I think I want to know just where did it where did it spark from? Where does something this big of a of a you know partnership come from? How how's this? Yeah, how's this all come about? Tell us from square one when it comes to uh, Morning Brew. Yeah, you got it. And then I'll also let Michael give his take on this yeah. too. So. After I had came on board and the goal was let's go build, you know, the next big business media company for Gen Z, um, immediately after we thought to ourselves, we need to go raise money, right? And so we thought to ourselves, who are the biggest media players that 
could drive a lot of influence and attract a lot of interest from other players in the space. And so we started thinking about uh, Morning Brew. We were thinking about the other big business media companies. And Michael, uh, through being a University of Michigan student at the time, had a connection to Austin Reef and Alex Lieberman, who um, also attended the University of Michigan. And so it's really funny because um, – we had reached out in more of a capacity that, hey, Morning Brew, will you guys go lead our round for us? Invest 500K, whatever the number was. Um, and Austin shot it down and wanted to acquire us. And this is what I think is so funny because Michael always had so much confidence in what we were building that he was like, no, like mm. we're not going to sell this business. Mm -hmm. Like either get on board or we're moving on. Yeah. Um, and so it's just kind of funny to look back at that. And then ultimately what ended up happening is as we continued to grow the business and we recognized that hey, we're doing really, really well on the advertising front. We've got a really nice agency, but how do we take this to the next level? Again, we don't own our audience, um, so that's a big you know, challenge that we have to overcome. Do we partner with a big media company right, in the form of an acquisition, or do we try to spend the next three to four years to hopefully go build a newsletter or something along those lines that to complement our existing business and take that major risk. Yeah. And we thought to ourselves, we got the video side figured out. This is a huge gap for Morning Brew. Let's just partner and do this thing together and let's take this to the next level. Yeah. And piece of, advi piece of advice to anyone who may have their business sold one day, right? Like many times these relationships are built far in advance of the conversation. Yeah. Morning Brew is actually an advertiser on our futures content. And yeah. I had that connection to Austin, but we were driving a ton of meaningful email newsletter traffic to them, right? So we had started that relationship with them early on. And I think oftentimes uh, a client of your business or a customer of your business uh, may end up being like, oh, we should just acquire those guys. Like they're generating results for us. And then you have some metrics to judge it on, right? Which is, oh, you could drive X amount of subs, whatever. That didn't end up happening with us. It was much more broad and holistic about the acquisition. But it's just something to think about. Yeah. Any customer your business currently has could become an acquirer one day. Oh, That's yeah. great. Great wow. point. I mean, if, yeah, you want to think about it almost as like strategic partners, right? Like think about your key stakeholders, right? Like the people you're doing business with, the people consuming your product or service and find a way to wrap them in earlier. Um, and then also try to be creative, right? Like how can you collaborate with them? Um, there were other big media companies that I can't say their name probably, but um, we had gone into them with like a rev share agreement. It was like, hey, put us on your website and like we have these videos doing millions of views. Let's go make a ton of money together, right? We ended up not going down that route, but that's like a creative solution that you're probably not going to figure out like, you know, in a classroom or just yeah. like uh, on your own. It just requires a little sense of creativity and thinking outside the box. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And on the note of just, you know, utilizing those relationships, I think going into this, we kind of felt like alone in the space, but so fast we learned that there's people willing to invest in other creators just out of goodwill and not yeah. with any bad intentions. Like I think literally the people that we've run into have first of all helped us tremendously. Like we wouldn't be able to be here without them. And second of all, it took me and Josh investing in those relationships and actually just meeting once a month, just communicating hey what are you working on hey what am i working on and i think that does a few things it, it builds a relationship but it also 
it, it shows to that person who may have more connections with me that we're in this for the long run. We're not two teenagers just starting a podcast to start a podcast, but we're looking for episode 200, totally. 300, 400. We're, we're, we're looking to build Juvie as big as possible. Yeah. And I think just the people that have come behind us, they've they've taught us what what your rate be i mean we don't we don't at the end of the day we like to say we're the most unprofessional professional podcast out there we don't know what we're doing i mean like we we really don't but i think we have the central goal of having conversations that changes the way the youth thinks and i yeah. think like you guys you know you're trying to make gen z like you're trying to make news more consumable i think when you have that central goal it just displays itself differently than being in it for the money and you mentioned quickly that you sell ad spots so before being acquired how is our future making money yeah so the initial business behind our future was advertising right so i was like okay uh they're a brand spending money for influencers to make videos about them on tiktok and i was like wait a minute we're making videos about business. That's such a high value audience. Yeah. We can make incredible advertisements on this content. And because we talk about business, we can make great stories about businesses and businesses are the ones that buy ads, right? So I just saw a fantastic opportunity to tell creative stories for brands that were sponsored. Uh, a lot of the feedback we get on our ads is like, oh, my God, I didn't even know that was an ad. Like, that's so smooth. That's so integrated. And I'm I'm all about that. Like, I love the most integrated, natural-feeling ads because those perform the best. And I always had an excellent sense about how to deliver value to advertisers through our content. But I'll let Simi touch on the agency side outside of the, kind of the big brand deals we were able to do with on the advertising side, whether it was with Warby Parker or HubSpot or Shopify, Start Engine. Yeah, I think the advertising side of the business is what got us going, right? Like that was super low touch. It just made a ton of sense, right? Yeah. It, if you're in media, the the initial revenue generating source is advertising, right? It just makes a lot of sense. Um, but something that we realized was that it was very variable, right? Like we've had great months where we're locking in huge partners, and then there were other months that maybe weren't as fast and, and things weren't going um, maybe as up and to the right as we may have wanted. And so we thought to ourselves, how can we create like a stable source of revenue for this business that's reoccurring? Uh, we can grow it. It's something that we can continue to scale and then kind of fund our media general media ambitions. Um, and so how that came about was we we took kind of our bread and butter, right, which was an editing and production and using short form video that um, in a way that we really understand. And we worked with big blue chip companies um, to take their long form content, um, whether it's YouTube, you know, YouTube videos or podcasts, and then clip them up in short form videos, put our own editing and production, and then actually go post them and help them go viral. Um, and that became a huge focal point of our business and um, something that we're going to even scale even more now at Morning Brew. And it's super exciting because Morning Brew has traditionally been a very advertising, advertising driven business. Um, so this is kind of like a cool foray into yeah. other ways to make money that isn't so typical in the in the media industry and just look at how things came full circle yeah look at just look at how things came full circle we started in podcasting yeah then we went on to tiktok and then we used that original knowledge of the podcast industry and the problems in discoverability to build a business in which we were working with long-form podcast content again right yeah. so never know where something's going to take you, you it's know really true yeah I'd love to just pick your guys' brain to help our audience a little bit. What would be your one piece of advice to teenagers who don't really know what they want to get into? 
I'd say it'll probably be similar to Simi's advice, uh, but focus on something you're really curious about and really excited about and just do it. Like there's always so many different business ideas, so many different opportunities. Just wake up every day and like try and do the same thing every day and get good at it. Mm. And like you'll know pretty early on if you're going to have a natural proclivity for excelling at that field. Um, for me, I think it was like one or two podcasts in that I knew I would be an excellent media personality. Um, so, but being curious isn't enough, right? You have to be curious and execute. And it's okay if I would have started the podcast, done two episodes and quit because maybe I didn't think it was for me, but you have to be willing to put in that minimum viable effort to discover if something could become your passion. You may not know your passion right now, but you need to put effort into a couple different things. Uh, to find out the one that you'd like to spend a few years on as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I have two things that come to mind here. So one is kind of adding to Michael's point, right? You find something that you're passionate about or you're interested in, um, and then you focus on it wholeheartedly, right? There's so many shiny objects out there. There's always a new opportunity. There's always someone doing something new and raising a ton of money to go do it, right? And you may think to yourself in the moment, like, damn, maybe I should be working on this. Damn, maybe I should be working on that. Um, And it's when you start spreading yourself too thin and you ch- you almost take away your focus from that one central thing and now you're focusing on three or four things that you're no longer able to do something successfully right because there's no focus right yeah so find that one thing that and you may not even here's the other thing you may not even know if this is where you should be spending your time but if, as long as you're curious and somewhat passionate about it it's a good bet to make, right? Mm-hmm. Like you never know with a hundred percent certainty if you're going down the right road per se. Um, but if all signs seem to point in that direction, then see it through, give it yeah. six months, give it 12 months. Um, the other thing that I think is also a, a very important, people feel like you have to take huge risks, right? To go start a business. And I would actually push back and say, you really don't. I would ask you to de-risk as much as you possibly can before you go start a business, right? Like you don't necessarily like if you're in school, you don't need to drop out of school to go start a business. If you're working a nine to five job, you don't need to leave your job to go do this thing full time, right? Like go build this thing on the side, right? And when it starts to get legs, a foundation of its own, then you go full uh, and, and it can sustain your livelihood. Then you go focus on it full time. Then you jump ship and you say, I'm going to work on this. Um, and you do so in a way where you don't feel like you're giving too much up or man, like the anxiety is killing you because you just took on way more stress than you needed to. Yeah, yeah. I think we, on our side, we like to call that taking calculated risks. It's where set yourself up as Love best it. as possible before you take the risk because we don't we don't need to be stupid about it. Like you yeah. said, like hustle culture paints the picture yeah. that you're a part of the rat race if you're working for anyone else. But the truth is, if you really want the side hustle to work long term, set yourself up as best as possible. And I think like you and Michael also touched on this is like we're growing up in a culture where there's so many opportunities. So it 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 almost creates decision fatigue, which yeah. is a guest mentioned that. And it's where to the point where like, I mean, I'm 16 and I know a lot of my peers are like, I want to do something, but I don't know what it is. And I think it's because instead of having three options, we have like 25,000 now. And it's like, it's not just it's doctor, lawyer, dentist. It's do I want to make videos about this and 50,000 other topics? Or yeah. no, it's like there's so much going on. To, but the people that I think will work long term are the ones that dial in young. Not that that necessarily was, is what they're going to do in 10 years, but 
for the first five years, there's just so much value in starting young. Yeah, because I think there's also a, there's a massive difference between taking a risk and just making a stupid decision, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people need to learn the difference between. They'll be like, oh, doing this business, even though I've got zero dollars, zero experience and nobody backing me up just because I love it. That's not necessarily a risk that's going to work out. That's just something that probably won't work out. And yeah. I think there's learning the difference between that and something more calculated where you're actually doing something that you love because you're good at it. You I know agree. what I mean? I agree. So talking about the calculated risk, you guys took the risk. You started posting your content out to the world and now you're pulling numbers bigger than a few like mainstream major news outlets. How does that feel? Um, like, how does that feel to you guys having that much success in what you do? I think we've done around a billion views uh, in the past 18 months or so since wow. getting started on this format for uh, in uh, August 2021. I think it gave me a ton of confidence early. Like, I didn't have anybody write articles on me. I, no one knew my brand. But I just took the vast results that we had and used that as fuel to paint a f massive picture. And a lot of people would probably have said, like, yo, like Michael's delusional. He's super cocky. This guy has no, no idea what he's talking about. But we had people, you know, who were in the media and in this business that really respected that. And you guys would be shocked at how long it still took to convince uh, some of these major media companies or businesses to work with us and this format. Like it's still very early, I think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, getting results early on gives confidence to young entrepreneurs that's needed because it's very hard to get someone to take a chance on you. And you have to be really confident in what you're doing to sustain your activities long enough until someone does. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right. Well, it's in the name. So what is the future for our future HQ? I think the, the, fut the future of our future in terms of like our content business is transitioning from being a short form video only media brand to becoming a much more diversified media brand in the content that we put out. I think our goal is to build real trust and real loyalty with our audience. And that's transitioning them into podcast content. We have a podcast launching soon here at Morning Brew um, and our future branded one. Uh, we're going to get into long form YouTube, start launching some long form content into our, our YouTube channel. Um, and I think, you know, one great reason as to, you know, the acquisition is that our future might very well live past me and Simi's tenure. Yeah. And it might be like James Bond. Like there'll be yeah. another guy in the seat, right? Yeah. Who's going to be making stories about business and inspiring Gen Z. And I think that's just gorgeous. Yeah. I think that's something that we've yeah, also discussed as well. Like trying to figure out what's the future of Juvie once we're not Gen Z anymore. Once we're not like encouraging our own generation, we're trying to encourage the generation below us. And I think that's trying to figure out if like, if we move on to then encouraging the next generation or our current generation and then having somebody else step in from Gen Z and taking our spot. Um, but our audience, a, yeah. you guys don't got to worry. We're not going anywhere no, anytime no, soon. We got, we got a long time. Uh, yeah, no, and I saw some of you sure. about, to, you was, about to say something. I was, yeah, I was just going to make one other quick point, right? Like, uh, I think there's so many cool things that we're going to do from a content standpoint. I think... What's also really cool about this opportunity with Morning Brew is we're going to scale out this agency. Um, our hope is that the the future of our future is us working with the biggest names, brands, 
companies out there um, and really helping them become content powerhouses, right? Like we've learned so much through just short form video in our own journey. Uh, but I think it would be so cool if we're not only helping with short form, we're helping folks with long form. We're doing um, written content. We're helping them figure out LinkedIn and all these other platforms and kind of become like an all-in-one provider and actually build this into a uh, a name that everyone recognizes, similar to like a VaynerMedia, right? Like it's something that, boom, they're just working with the coolest people out there. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what I would say is the ideal future of our future. That's yeah. awesome. Love that. All right, you guys. Well, the final question before we wrap up that we asked every single guest, what do you guys believe is the most misunderstood thing about Gen Z? I think the biggest understand. Um, let me restart. I think the biggest misunderstanding is that you can put a label on Gen Z. I think people in our generation are more dynamic than they've ever been, right? You've got creators who are also business people. That's what you guys are, right? Like you guys are doing both. You're no longer labeled as an econ finance guy that then goes to Wall Street and that's the life you live for the next 30 years, right? Like you can be so many different things. Um, and that's kind of the cool thing, right? Like, like, and I think this is something that Gen Z is very appreciative of, right? Is that you can look at someone else, um, and be like, you know what? I'm not going to silo you and pigeonhole you into this one area or this one box, right? Like you can go explore and you can go do a bunch of different things and that's cool. Like, like more power to you. And so that's one thing that I think people misunderstand about Gen Z, but people in this generation recognize about one another. Yeah, yeah that's a great answer. It's a very I good think, answer. I think the older you get, the wiser you get. And you should always respect your elders because they are very wise. But I don't think Gen Z gets enough credit. I think that Gen Z entrepreneurs and Gen Z innovators and Gen Z activists are making a, more of an impact than any generation before them. And they've realized how to use tools more effectively than the generations that came before them. We're very lucky to have the internet, but the speed and the native nature for how we've been able to harness these tools is unprecedented. And I think that while you can say, these guys are whining, these kids don't work hard, these kids don't know what they're doing, these kids are soft, what have you, I think that Gen Z deserves more respect from older generations. And instead of seeing them as, oh, this is the, the new kids on the block, fuck them, whatever, Let's have older generations learn from us and what we what viewpoints we put out in the world and the innovative things that we do, because the people who are running the world right now, they're going to be dead soon. And we're the ones who need to step up. We need real leaders in this generation. We need strong voices. We need people who can bridge the divide between left, right, north and south. We need strong leaders and the leaders of tomorrow can be identified now by what they're doing. Whether it's Juvie, whether it's the guy starting our future, whether it's the kid who is protesting in front of the, you know, the coal mine, right? Those kids are already showing themselves and proving themselves that they're capable of changing the world. That's yeah. it. Michael, probably top three best answers from both of you guys that I've yeah, heard on the show. I agree. Um, yeah, guys, so we wanted to thank you guys so much for coming out here. Um, we love talking with you guys, hearing more about your um, our future and about Morning Brew. Um, so yeah, for everybody watching, please thank you for, uh, not please, thank you guys for watching. Um, and if you're listening on any audio platforms, please be sure to download and leave us a five-star review. And you guys can see all of our futures projects in the first link in the description. Go check it out. That is a wrap. Peace.